Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before in your church or in your business. And now, your host, Carrie Newhoff. Okay, I think I'm going to try this. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of the podcast. My name, <laughs> okay, that's just dumb. Hey, but I've just spent a month in Australia, and I was thinking to myself, I, I would imagine that after a month, that's kind of what I'm going to sound like. Um, anyway, huh, I don't know. Do you do accents? Accents have always fascinated me, and like impersonators, people who can just mimic people, I've always found infinitely entertaining. Anyway, uh, that was my really bad fake Australian accent, but I am coming back today, actually, from a month in Australia. And if you were there and you got a chance to hang out, hang, (laughs) see, I can't even speak English anymore. If you got a chance to hang out in one of the cities I was in, uh, where were we? We were in Adelaide, we were in Brisbane, we were in Sydney, in different parts of Melbourne. Uh, I'm trying to learn how to pronounce all those right. Hey, thank you so much for hanging out. It's just been a great time to get together. And for all of you, man, we've connected with so many leaders personally over the last month. For everybody who was at Orange Conference or the very first Rethink Leadership, what an incredible time together at the end of April in Atlanta. I've just met literally hundreds of you, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, It really is. There were just so many of you who came up and said, thank you for the podcast, thank you for the podcast. And I just want to say thank you for that. That was really great. Hey, today, on today's episode, I think you can probably tell, people matter a lot to me. And the older I get, uh, the more important people become in my life. I've, I've discovered, or at least this is my theory, it's not what you do really primarily in your life. Like I have a lot of great opportunities and have a great church and, and get to travel a little bit and, and work with leaders, but it's not really what you do. It's, it's who you do it with that really makes all the difference. And I just get more and more joy every year out of the team and out of my family and out of the people I meet and listeners when I get a chance to meet you or readers, if you read my blog or books, if when I get a chance to meet you, that's just the best part. And one of the people that I've really gotten to know well and so appreciate is today's guest and her name is Sarah Piercy. And Sarah and I met, oh, years ago. She was in our youth group, actually, before we even started Connexit. She was part of the church I was part of before then, but came back from college and joined us as an intern and then uh, drew the short stick and became my assistant about seven years ago. And we have been on this incredible ride where our church has grown significantly, but like I wasn't blogging or podcasting or I was speaking a little bit, but like not as much as I am now back then. And we've had just this explosive thing happen over the last few years where my life has gotten more and more chaotic and Sarah has brought more and more order to it. And uh, she and her husband are expecting their first child actually right around the time that this podcast airs. And I sat down with her a few weeks ago, months ago, actually, and just said, okay, let's try to bottle what we have learned over the last seven years, because I wasn't the best boss in terms of trying to lead an assistant. And she's going to share some of my quirks. And uh, she was green. Like she hadn't trained to be an assistant. She actually is not a naturally organized person. And if you've worked with her, you would be shocked to hear that because she has developed a super sharp skill set and has become just the most phenomenal assistant. So I'm so grateful 
uh, for Sarah. And I just thought for all of us who work with assistants, for those of us who might be starting with assistants, or for those of us who wish we had an assistant, or maybe you can even get a volunteer to help, or for those of you who are assistants, um, I just hope this is going to be helpful. We uh, sat down and tried to bottle everything we learned about working together, organizing someone's life, even in the midst of uh, rapidly expanding life and ministry. And uh, Sarah shares some gold. I have a new assistant. Her name is Sarah, Sarah Horn. She is fantastic. We've been actually working together in tandem for the last month or so. And uh, she's part of a fantastic organization called EA Help. When, you know, Sarah and her husband shared that they were going to have their first baby, I thought, wow, what am I going to do? You know, I was really happy for them. And then after I, you know, thought about it, I thought, oh, and I'm sad for me. But I mean, you can't be sad for you. I'm just thrilled for them. But it's like, wow, I'm going to be, she's going to take a year off, which is awesome. But like, I need a new assistant. And I immediately, I looked down a couple of, you know, alleyways, but I immediately thought of EA Help. And I have known them online. I know the CEO, Brian Miles. He's been a guest on the podcast and just a, a great thinker. So I just said, hey, is there some way that we could probably, you know, figure something out? And sure enough, EA helped to the rescue and they have been great. And Sarah is fantastic. And actually, if you want to go back and listen to my interview with Brian Miles, the CEO of EA Help. You can find it in episode 45. I'll link to that in the show notes. But anyway, needless to say, this has been fantastic. I'm so excited about working with EA Help and uh, with a, a fantastic assistant for the next year in Sarah Horn. So that's been great. If you want to learn more about EA Help, you can find the links in the show notes. And in the meantime, one more thing before we jump into my conversation with Sarah, and that is uh, I just want to thank everybody who has already bought the Lasting Impact Team Edition. In, in case you don't know, the Team Edition is out. And this is an addition to my book, Lasting Impact, Seven Powerful Conversations That Can Help Your Church Grow, where we talk about people attending church less often, and we talk about um, cultural trends that are changing and team health and things like that. Uh, and I actually recorded eight videos that you can just plug and play when you go to have a team discussion about that with your board or staff or elders or key volunteers, whatever you know you find yourself in with your church where you want to talk about the future. Um, you can just press and play these 25-minute videos. I've got eight of them lined up for you. But here's what's cool, is that we have added a private Facebook group that I will be visiting from time to time that you can be a part of until midnight today, release day, May 31st. That's right. The Facebook offer goes away. You can buy the team edition down the road. You can buy the book down the road. But if you want to get the special deal of a private Facebook group where I'll be participating, but even better than that, you will be able to get help from other people having the same conversations, other church leaders. And man, that kind of like help from each other is incredible. Uh, but you have to purchase the team edition by 11.59 tonight. That's right, May 31st, in order to get the private Facebook group bonus, because that goes away forever starting tomorrow. So make sure if you haven't done it and you've been intending to, that you go to lastingimpactbook.com and make sure that you buy in and opt in today. So in the meantime, here is my conversation with one of my favorite people, my assistant, Sarah Piercy. Well, this has been uh, something I've been anticipating for a while, and it's just a thrill to have you as a guest on the podcast, the one who in many ways makes the podcast magic happen, Sarah. Oh, well, thank you. It's good to be here. Hey, it's great to have you. So you and I have worked together really at the church for eight years, mm -hmm. and you have been my assistant for what? Seven? Seven, yeah. Yeah, about seven. Yeah. And, and that came about because of an exhaustive search 
process, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, what? Tell everybody what happened. Uh, I started doing an internship at uh, Connexus Church in yeah. children and student ministry, and then you asked me to be your assistant shortly after that year ended. So yeah, that's so right. I really <laughs> had no qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was a small like we had a very small staff yeah. at the time, and it was like we couldn't afford to hire anybody. Yeah. And you just graduated college and it's like, you know, I had someone else and then they moved on to something else. And it's like, well, what about Sarah? And I'm like, sure. I was That's in the great. right place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but there was nothing. I mean, you didn't go to school for <laughs> it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we've learned an awful lot together over the last seven years, but it's been a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. and very providential. Yeah. So we kind of want to go through the process. I always say to people, I could not do what I do today in terms of like working at the church. And now my role is teaching pastor and sort of founding pastor of Connexus Church and, you know, the blog and the podcast and speaking and and the other things that I do without a couple of things. Number one, I guess the grace of God. Number two, a great family, a great wife. And number three, for sure, a fantastic assistant who happens to be you. Oh, well, thank you. It's a it's a privilege to be a part of it. Yeah. And so we thought we'd try to capture some of what we've learned over the last seven years, because there's a big transition for you coming Mm -hmm. up. Tell everybody. (laughs) I'm going to have a baby in a couple of months. So yeah, by the time this airs, you may have already had your baby. I may be a new mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's right. A first one for you and Justin. Justin's also here today in my fancy home studio. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, which is really just a converted bedroom. That's a good office. Yeah, it's good. I, I like it here. Yeah. It's got, it's got some good stuff, but it's hardly a studio. And anyway, so we're excited for you, but that means, and this always shocks Americans, and I mean, it's mostly Americans who listen to it, that you will take the next year off on mat leave. Yes. People are like, what? A year off? Yeah, one year. So it has induced significant panic in my life, both joy and delight, (laughs) happy for you and Justin, but significant panic to think what happens. And, uh, and so I've, I've actually uh, started working with EA help and we just met your replacement Mm -hmm. a few days ago. It was also Sarah, Sarah without an H (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sarah Horn. And she seems amazing. And so EA Help is is stepping into the gap over the next year, and I'm going to be working with them and, and with Sarah. And so I'm going to try the whole world of a virtual assistant to see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, so great. It's been fantastic. And you're going to be training the other Sarah mm-hmm. over the next month or so. And, uh, and then, you know, here we, here we go. Yeah. So this is, this is basically, I'm excited about doing this because... We have really learned on the go. We've learned an awful lot. I want you to tell the truth. Do you promise you're going to tell the truth? I promise I will tell the truth. And you will tell people how bad I can be at times? I promise I will tell the truth. (laughs) Okay, there you go. And uh, and we've really kind of taught each other how to do this, how to juggle multiple responsibilities. Absolutely. We were on a Zoom call with Sarah, the new assistant, Sarah Horn, and explaining to her and uh, our relationship manager at EA Help, uh, everything that I was doing and it took like five minutes, didn't it? Yeah. To go through that. And they were both exhausted at the end of it. (laughs) And they kind of looked at you and went, you keep all this in the air. (laughs) 
Well, I look at you and I think, how do you keep all this in the air? I don't know. I consider myself lazy and ADD. So I just, I just, I just have to work at it. So let's go right back to the beginning. Now you never, it it was honestly, I mean, we had what, what do we have? Six staff at the time, five staff at the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was year one of our church and you were young. How old would you have been? 23? Yeah, I was probably 21, 22. Not that you're not young now. That's what I I did not mean to infer that, but you're 21, 22. I was just starting out. You're just starting out. In my career. Right. But had never planned on being an assistant. Yeah, that's right. And we had to figure this out together in real time. So, so let's go back. Um, we had to figure out a system. Do you remember you and I talked mm-hmm. about, because I think my basic job description for you is pretend I'm in kindergarten and I always forget my lunch and my mittens. Yeah. That was one of the first things you said to me, actually. <laughs> Make sure I remember my mittens. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I always forget the basics. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty good at high concepts, yeah. but when it comes to details, it's a, it's a disaster or it can be, but I'm, yeah. I'm passionate about details but I'm not very good at managing them. Right. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. And I think that's probably a profile for a lot of leaders and a lot of bosses out there. It's like, I really care that everything is done well. Just don't ask me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that seems like a contradiction. Was that? Okay. So let's go back. You had to develop a system early on. So kind of walk people through it. And this is, I want people to listen to this through a couple of perspectives. Number one, obviously, if you're an assistant, this, and you're trying to figure out your job and most assistants, you know, and you've connected mm-hmm. with a number who, who serve, you know, leaders who are far busier than I am, struggle with the same issues. Mm-hmm you know, trying to keep their bosses or trying to keep their leaders, you know, organized and doing what they do best. Um, but it is a, 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 a discovery thing. So what were some of the first steps for you when you walked into this position green? Oh, I also wanted to say, and also listen for bosses because I had to figure out how to help you succeed as well. Yeah. And so it's sort of a dual journey. You're figuring it out, but I'm also figuring out knowing I've got a responsibility and I probably have to change some of my ways too. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to those early days. Okay. Uh, well, I learned pretty quickly that I'm not naturally organized. So it was it was a learning curve for me to create systems and learn how to be organized. And that seems crazy for an assistant to say. <laughs> yeah. What is your right path? We do, uh, we use right path six. What are you, a harmonizer? I am a harmonizer. Yeah. Okay. So what does that mean? So I like things to be in harmony, whether it's relationships, uh, whether it's projects, whether it's um, personal life, social life, it's all, I like things to be in harmony. Yeah. <laughs> I like people to be getting along. A lot of that is relational for yeah. you. You do not like conflict. No. At all. No. I like to see people getting along and things resolved, things things moving along well. Um, so that's yeah. that's who I am. And I'm a pretty, I score pretty low on organization. <laughs> Which, which is a complete shock to anybody who sees yeah. Sarah today because you are known as one of the most organized people. And it took a while, but like balls don't drop anymore. Well, it's a skill that can be learned. It's okay. definitely a skill that can be learned and one that I feel like I have been able to learn and had resources and tools and support. You've been a big support in helping us figure out what it looks like for us to be in sync and organized in the details covered. Um, but it was something that I definitely had to learn. Okay. How did you learn it? I had to become a student of myself and figure out how I was dropping things and why I was dropping things. Um, and then learn what to do about it. So I just had to be paying attention when I, when I would miss something, I would have to learn from every opportunity that when that happened. Um, and then at the same time, we also needed to communicate about, about what you needed and how, Mm -hmm. you know, how it looked for, 
the details to be covered on on your end and, and that kind of thing. So, All right. Do you remember we went through the first couple of years? It was like, I think I said over and over again, we cannot over communicate. Yes. We just, we just can't. Which was another thing that didn't come naturally to me because I'm more naturally a quiet person and I don't talk as much. So to yeah. over communicate was something that I needed to figure out what that actually looked like because I leaned towards under communicating, right. which I think is an easy thing to do. I just assumed that you knew what was in my head and you did not. <laughs> well, I always assumed that you knew what was in my head. Well, right. And when we're both assuming, <laughs> assuming that. <laughs> yeah. The other thing about your personality is you're also an improviser, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So explain what that means. Um, I, I'm okay with rolling with the punches and I'm okay with um, changing plans as we go along or when there's an obstacle rolling with it. Whereas in an EA role, you really need to be thinking ahead a lot more and improvising in the moment a lot less. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so actually improviser helps out a lot because there's always last minute surprises and changes and they don't phase you for the most part, whereas they phase me. Right. I tend to be a little more structured, a little more, well, sort of, I mean, you know, we'll get into that. But on the other hand, yeah, you're like, there is a system. There's a system Mm -hmm. for booking my travel. There's a system for managing my calendar. There's a system for making sure I don't miss things. There's a system for uh, the rhythm that I pursue at work and a system we've had to develop for like outside communication and inside communication. Mm -hmm. Any idea, because, you know, what I know about personality profiles, Sarah, is often if you're working outside of your natural zone, it becomes incredibly draining for people. Mm -hmm. Like put me in the accounting department. I'll probably be able to do something, but like I'm, I'm going to jump off a cliff at the end of the day. How, how, if you're working outside, like in, in learned behaviors, as you put them, how has that not been totally draining for you? That's a really good question. Um, because I am, I am a supporter when I, when I do those personality profiles, I'm a supporter, Mm -hmm. I'm a helper. Um, and and I've realized one of my spiritual gifts is actually in administration and in in the support role. Right. So it's something that I love doing. And and the detail organization side of it was just a skill that I needed to learn in order to um, in order to be that support because hmm. I like being behind the scenes. And of course, what we're doing, I'm passionate about. I yeah. think is so important. So that's the driving force. There, there are days where if I'm too much in the details and I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing anything feeling that, that it can be a draining day, but right. at the end of the day, I still think it's worth it. So overall you're fueled. Yeah. Would you say this is, this is really interesting. Okay. What is the number one thing that fuels you? Obviously working with an awesome boss, that's gotta be, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you are an awesome boss. Well, you, at you times are. I can be an awesome pain. <laughs> I really, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I can be a little bit of a baby. I can, I sometimes. can be difficult sometimes. No, but, but you're great to work. Like, what is what is the number one thing that, like, would you say keeps you coming back, going, yeah, I think this is what I want to do with my life in this season. When I feel like I'm making a difference for somebody, mm. whether it's somebody in our church community, whether it's for you, yeah. uh, whether it's for a church leader that I've been able to help or answer questions in some right. way. Right. When I, when at the end of the day, I feel like I've helped somebody, which is my wiring, the support help person, um, then it's worth it. That is so fueling and I want to come back and do it again. I think that's probably something that we both had to figure out mm-hmm. is it can't be about serving me. 
it has to be about something more than that. And if you look at a lot of boss, executive assistant or assistant type roles, it's kind of like, no, your job is to make my life better. I don't think God put you on the planet to make my life better. <laughs> Hopefully God put me on the planet to make your life better. And and the way that we get to that place is by making sure that the mission is bigger than both of us. Yeah, Is that absolutely. true? Yeah. And it is so much bigger than both of us. Yeah, totally. And so that is what keeps me coming back to the table. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's one of the secret sauces we figured out is, you know, nobody really wants to just sit around and serve me all day. <laughs> I can be guaranteed. And nobody would say that. But if you really look at the way a lot of employers treat employees, it can be like, your job is to make my life better. Well, you do make my life significantly better, but that is not your primary goal. Your primary goal is to serve God. Your primary goal mm-hmm. is is to make the church better. Mm-hmm. And so, Sarah, okay, let's let's switch gears for a second. Tell me, what was the hardest part of the job for you in the first few years? Oh, that is a good question. I think I think I had to. I had a lot to learn in the first few years. I had a lot to learn about um, my voice as an EA. Mm-hmm. Um, you struggled with that. Let's talk about it because you had trouble speaking up, didn't you? Given mm-hmm. your personality. Yeah. Why? I'm a little bit more, more reserved. My personality is just more reserved. Um, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in, in what my opinion was. And mm. I sort of wanted to, to blend in and figure out what was going around me before I started to speak up. And I think you really called out my voice Uh, when it came to supporting you and you gave me permission to speak into things. And I had to learn that you actually want my opinion and you, you want my perspective and that I have something to offer and that I can make things better by, by voicing my perspective and opinion. Um, And you and I make a a good team because our wiring is uh, very different. You're a very visionary person. I'm Mm -hmm. a more compassion driven person. So when, you combine the two of us. Sometimes you th- see things that I don't, and I can see things that you don't. And I need to bring that to the table. I can't just be holding, holding back with that. Yeah. And thank goodness you have compassion because somebody needs to. <laughs> right? And I think I've learned to be more compassionate working with yeah. you. And you've learned that smoothing things over when they can't shouldn't be smoothed over is not actually a helpful strategy right. either. I think that conflict avoider has grown an awful lot if I can say so, yeah. in, in you. Yeah. And so, yeah, and I think one of the transitions we've made, Sarah, is, you know, at the beginning, I went from leading you, but often now you lead me. Like, you tell me, you can't do that. What makes you think you can do that? And I'm like, <laughs> and you'll say it nicely. <laughs> yeah. But, but right, like, you see things that I miss, and you'll be like, well, why would you do that? I'll say, oh, well, because, and then you just kind of call me out on it. And, and that's good, because I think I'm a better leader, because of that. And, you know, hopefully you've grown in the process. So uh, finding your voice was hard and learning to speak out and learning that you could speak um, to your boss in with with a contrary view mm-hmm. was was new. And of course, you just naturally do that so kindly that it's very easy to take. Uh, what else was hard for you? Um well, not being naturally organized. I really just yeah. had to be, become a student of myself and also become a student of you. I had to start trying to figure out how you think and how you're wired. And I really had to take on your work as my work. I needed to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a shift that needed to happen that was hard before I realized that. It was hard to, it was hard to keep all the 
plate spinning, so to say. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. There's a lot of plate yeah. spinning. Yeah. Right. And I think you've done a masterful job of that because you have a lot of empathy for my schedule. In fact, I love to say, you know, you'll look at my calendar, which is often planned months in advance, and you'll go, okay, the fourth week of June, you're going to be exhausted. Mm-hmm. And you can accurately predict that mm-hmm. just by looking at how many meetings I have. And it's not just like our like late flights or early flights or, you know, a, a grueling teaching schedule. You've learned what energizes me and what drains me. And if I, for example, um, have a whole lot of meetings in a week, let's say 20 meetings in a week, I'm going to be toast by Friday. Uh, if I've got a couple days that are just open and I can think mm-hmm. and I can write and I can pray and I can dream, and then I got a day and a half of meetings, I'll probably be okay. Mm-hmm. But you learned that and you probably saw it before I did. So some of that was... Um just watching your energy level change throughout the day. Some of that was watching your mood change throughout the week. If you had a, if you had a week packed full of meetings, sometimes you would come in first thing and feel really crummy because you knew that you had no breathing space all week. Yeah. Um, and I want to keep you away from that because that doesn't allow you to do the best job you can do when, when you're already feeling swamped. Um, and then part of it was also your communication with me saying, you know what, when this happens, it just throws me for a loop or when this happens, it's really great. So then I think, okay, well, I want, I want more of that to be in your schedule and I want less of the other to be in your schedule. Like I don't like surprises. Yeah. And so a lot of that was also you communicating with me, you know, what was going on, how certain things impacted you. I, you know, I had to learn when your best writing times were. And a lot of that was you sharing with me what you've learned about yourself. And then I just had to study you, which sounds kind of funny. But <laughs> <laughs> sounds kind of weird. <laughs> it does. But, the, like- but essentially, I had to become a student of you because I needed to know how you worked in order to help you do your best. So. Right. So let's you, you raise something, which is very, very true. Everybody has moods, but mm-hmm. I can be moody sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. the, what do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, well, what do you want to say? Um... I mean, yeah, everybody has moods. And I think I think you are good at being transparent with the right people about how you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really helpful for me to know what's going on in your world and what's contributing to, um, to your mood or your thinking space, because I want to help you succeed. And I need to have a big picture of what's happening in order to help you do that. I think one of the things I've learned, Sarah, and you've learned that with me or helped me see it, is that a lot of the time, moods are triggered by um, specific things. It's not literally, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. It could be, I'm not eating properly. I'm not exercising. Mm -hmm. I didn't get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, those things are not really your responsibility. They're my (laughs) responsibility. But I mean, when I'm traveling somewhere, you'll make sure that there are nutritious meals set up rather than, you know, you'll plan my travel cycles so that I actually have time for proper food rather than just scarfing down drive through on, on the way to some place. But I have to take responsibility mm-hmm. for that. But a lot of it we learned is when I'm in meetings all day, I just get grumpy. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's true. And, and you could fight against that and say, well, just don't be grumpy, but it's true. And so we, we create space between meetings. Often I'll leave the office and just, you know, go grab a coffee or something like that, or head to Starbucks for 10 minutes. And then I come back and I'm fresh. Um, I do nap sometimes, not so much at work. I'd like to, that's my dream. (laughs) But if I'm home and I'm writing, like I'll take a nap at lunch and, and, and that helps. Uh, what are some other things that are mood triggers that you've learned to work around? Um, just making sure that you have margin, Mm -hmm. thinking space, breathing space, um, buffer days. If you can have at least one day where you don't have anything on the calendar, then, 
then that's really good if, if you can have your writing days fully clear. Yeah, that's the ideal scenario is for you to have some buffer or some breathing space for, for writing, for thinking, for your family life is really mm-hmm. important. So Yeah, it is. And, you know, evening meetings, if I get too many of those, it, it gets frustrating and, and the whole deal. I kind of mm-hmm. sound like a big baby, but, <laughs> you know. We're all big babies. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, mostly what I do, I've realized at this stage, you know, with our church the way it is and my role and, and sort of what I do for the blog and podcast is, I think... This is what I do, I think, and I think best under certain conditions. Mm-hmm. And we've run numerous personality tests on our whole staff at Connexus Church. And I mean, one of them that we did a few years ago just said Carrie needs a variety of uh, spaces to work in, probably needs multiple offices. Um, you know, and it's true because here I am creating multiple offices for myself, yeah. not knowing why. That's actually part of the way God wired me. Mm-hmm. And I thrive best in in that scenario. So I had an office at the church office at home in the summer, my office becomes the backyard or the living room or, you know, whatever. But, but that is actually the way God wired me. And so once I cooperate with that, I'm not fighting gravity all the time. Uh, Run through a typical week these days in your life and how you spend your time. So you work, um, you do some things directly for the church, but a lot of your world revolves around my assistant. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so my week is a my work week is a Sunday to Thursday uh, week because my role at Connexus Church as well. Um, but as far as as far as what my role looks like for you, it's always changing, which I actually love. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love change and I love um, new challenges. So every day is a little bit different. Um, but the the typical things that I'll see um, that are, are a weekly basis kind of thing is ma- managing your calendar, managing your travel, uh, communicating with um, guests or communicating with hosts that you'd be visiting, churches that you're visiting. Yeah, yeah. If I'm speaking somewhere kind of or doing a conference or whatever, you do all that work. Yeah. Um, a lot of email, which sometimes just feels like shoveling sand, but it's the small things. <laughs> the small things are really important. Um, so, so a lot of that, and then, and then there's projects that come my way, and, and assignments, and things also that happen at Connexus Church that I'm uh, responsible for as well. Yeah, you support my teaching role. So, yeah. if there's props, or even I'll text you or call you with bottom line ideas. It's like, hey, what do you think of this? And yeah. you'll go like, eh. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it too. It's like because I'm I'm writing. I'm not. You know, I kind of write by myself and then I take it to a team. But if I'm in the middle of a project and I'm trying to get to the bottom line, I'll just text you and go, hey, what do you think of this? And you're honest. Like you feel, no, nah, that's that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Or it does. You mm-hmm. really like it. Or you'll you'll suggest a different way. Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at that, most of your job is like what put it in order. Just say it again real quick and make sure you cover it all. Scheduling and managing your time mm-hmm. is a constant daily thing, uh, which is really important. Managing your um, your travel, your yeah. speaking engagements, that kind of thing. And then um, email the shoveling sand. Thing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is totally yeah. okay. I have a public and a private <laughs> inbox. Uh, yeah. And I never thought I would get there, but it just got too overwhelming to handle as our church grew. And then the blog and the podcast took off. There's just, there's a lot of correspondence. So yeah. you handle the public stuff and I'll dive in. And like often those replies are from me, but after you vetted it and gotten rid of everything and yeah. then I handle my private inbox, sometimes worse than you handle my public inbox. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, and then after that, a lot of it is your, your teaching, um, your teaching side of things and props and that kind of thing. 
Yeah, at, at Connexus for our yeah. service programming department. Um, let's run through our system, mm-hmm. okay, what you and I have developed. What are some of the best practices you and I have established that make our relationship work? I think we talked around that, but is there more? I just want to focus on that. And then I'm going to talk about the system we've developed for calendar and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think there's a little bit more around that, a little bit more intangible around that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what is really really helpful and healthy in our working relationship is the, um, the trust and the transparency that, that we have, which yeah. has developed over the years. Yeah. It wasn't there right at the beginning because yeah. we hardly knew each other. Right. There was a season where we were just figuring out who this other person was that we were trying to work with. <laughs> right. Um, but, but I mean, I realized that you were putting a high level of trust in me and I wanted to step up to the plate and, and you're still doing that, um, but I think there's a level of transparency that is really helpful. You can just tell me when you're having when you're having a rough day or a rough season, and and I can help you through that, and vice versa. You ask me how I'm doing all the time, and you actually mm-hmm. care about how I'm doing. Yeah, and that makes that makes the world of a difference because I don't just feel like a a robot. <laughs> well, and I know I'm not responsible for how you feel in no. your life, but sometimes there are things I do or conditions that I'll set up that actually make your life worse, your home life worse, your marriage worse, <laughs> right? All those things. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to make, I want to make your life better. I want, you know, we talked about this. I want this to be the best job you'll ever have had. You know? <laughs> well, it is, it is <laughs> Good. the best job I've ever Good. had. Good. <laughs> Good. I'm glad, you know, and I want it to be that way. And, um, you know, in many ways I've had to shift my thinking over the years to think that, you know, people don't work for me. I work for them. And my job is to help you succeed. Well, that, that shows. And I think the best part of our working relationship is that you actually care about me as a person and not just about what I can do for you or how I can help you. Um, and that makes the world of a difference because that keeps me around when I'm having a bad day, Hmm. you know? Hmm. Um, so the system, best practices for calendar management. And I was late to the party on this. I had someone tell me 16 years ago, I need to give my calendar to an assistant. Now, our churches were really small. They were like maybe 200 people attending at the time. And, you know, now we're a lot bigger in the whole deal. And so I was kind of necessitated to it. But did I give you my calendar right at the beginning or did you have to convince me? You did give me your calendar right at the beginning. It was slow. Uh, it was a little bit slow about what I booked and when I booked it and who. And I I always confirmed a lot more with you before. I, yeah, I was micromanaging, so. wasn't I? Yeah, at the beginning. But I think that was OK because we were developing a we were developing a trust. Yeah. Um, but there did come a point where you just had to hand it off and trust me, which when you did do that, it was it was awesome. And we had to establish principles. And by that mm. point, we had figured out, I need two clear days a week where I generally don't book meetings, which for years have been Monday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally I do a Monday and Wednesday meeting, but you always consult with me first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, generally I'll do a breakfast meeting and I'll work through until dinner. But if I've got like 12 or 14 hours of meetings, you know, I'm mm-hmm. like beat by that. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad recipe. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. I mean, that does happen. I'll have meetings all day at Conexus and then I go to, you know, a board of directors I serve on in the community at night. And by that time I'm, I'm fried. Mm-hmm. But if the day before or after can be yeah. clear, I know that that will set you up a lot better. Okay. So we had those guidelines that we kind of knew, um, going into it. What else, what other tips about calendar management have been really helpful? Um, knowing, knowing what the windows were that I could, that I could book meetings for, uh, was really helpful, especially 
off the start, knowing that um, Tuesday afternoons were open and Thursday mornings were open or whatever they happen to be is a really great place to start. And then I can also kind of categorize who the person is that you need to meet with, what the best time to meet with them is. If it's a breakfast meeting with an elder right. um, is is different than than perhaps a, a team member um, in the afternoon or something. We talked, and this can be sensitive, I realize, but we talked about categories of people I would meet with and categories of people I wouldn't. Because we had to figure that out. You know, the demands, the the requests that came in could have filled every week, all week. And, and I wouldn't be able to say yes to everything. No. So we kind of figured that out. Let's talk about that. Because as the church has grown and, and the other stuff I do has grown, you and I have sort of developed this, what I call categories of people that, yeah, they absolutely get my time. And then, boy, I, I generally just can't meet with, you know, this kind of person. So uh, again, I'm not trying to be offensive, but it's just a reality. So let's let's go through that list. Like for me, we kind of decided who is my church, who is my congregation, mm-hmm. and um, go ahead and tell them about what we decided. Well, there's your inner circle of people, mm-hmm. um, which which was the elders when you were lead pastor. And, right. um, and now you have an inner circle of staff team that are around you as teaching pastor at yeah. Texas. Um, you also have an inner circle um, within your within your network around North America, I would say, right. of people that you are just close with, that you lean on, that fuel you, and that you can fuel. Um, and I think those relationships are really important. And those actually, you often will book yourself and just text and- Right, I'm and just like- It's a friendship, it's a little bit less formal. Um, and then, and then there's there's church leaders and and people that you want to support, and it's that's the most difficult one. I would it say. is, that's I know. And a lot of listeners, will, you know, some of you have said, "Hey, can I get twenty minutes with you, mm-hmm. or an hour, or buy your lunch, or pick your brain, or whatever?" I'd love to say yes to all of them. Oh, we would, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. we? But then I couldn't do this podcast, exactly. and then I couldn't write fresh content twice a week, and exactly. I just couldn't do that. So it's, it's tough. And then at the church too, we kind of, I remember there was an aha moment for me as we pushed, we're about 1200 now on the weekend, but when we were pushing seven or 800 a few years ago, uh, in attendance, I, I realized, cause I always wanted to meet with volunteers. I'm like, I'll meet with any volunteer anytime. Well, now we have like 650 volunteers mm-hmm. at the church and that, that had to go out the window. And I kind of realized I had that aha moment where I thought, you know what, if our staff are all doing our, their jobs, then they should be meeting with the volunteers. And the only volunteers I need to meet with are our elders. And so they became my priority. Mm -hmm. And the staff became my priority. And then as the staff grew, it was like, well, leadership team's my priority. And then as it grew again, it was like, okay, executive team, they get unrestricted access, et cetera. So we've had to make those circles smaller as the church has grown bigger. Mm -hmm. But paradoxically, that allows the church to grow bigger. And everybody is cared for, as opposed to me scrambling around trying to meet with people and being exhausted and doing a terrible job even when I meet with them because I'm zoned out because I got too much stuff. So when I meet with an elder, you know, I believe healthy at the top, healthy at the bottom. And and that's where that came out. And that was a tough transition because you spent, and we'll talk about this at the end of the podcast, but you spent a lot of time telling people we'd love to, but mm-hmm. no. Yeah. It's tough to say no to somebody, especially when, you know, they've got, they've got something on their heart that they really want to share in some ways I become the person that they share with. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's what they're looking for. They're actually just looking for a person to talk to. And when I can be that person, I'm happy to be that person. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. 
Uh, that's great. I was, I was, we were joking, you and your husband and I were joking before the podcast that, um, you were going to get a thousand job offers <laughs> after this. So I just want to state publicly that Sarah's going to be off for the next decade caring for her children and we'll have, um, no skills left at the end of it. Right. All the technology will be, all the technology will be different. So don't offer her a job. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we, we, hope, we fully anticipate you coming back in a year, yes. which will be great. I'm just, protective. <laughs> That's all. But you are so good at that. And people love talking to you about it. And so you you are kind of the shock absorber. And I think the lesson for leaders is you think, well, I'm the only one who can do this. And I've had to learn, no, I'm not. Mm-hmm. And when I focus on the people that I need to focus on, and then talk about the breakfast slots that you and I have figured out. I always have a Tuesday, Thursday breakfast slot. Yeah, those are really helpful. They're just standing breakfast slots where you can essentially meet with somebody in your inner circle or in your network that that you're either investing in or that is investing in you. Um, and having those standing opportunities available actually allows me to get people in quicker when, when there's an emergency or when there's an immediate need. Yeah. And the other thing I do, it's like one of Andy Stanley's principles. It's a do for one thing. Yeah. So usually I'm tracking with one or two people who attend our church who are just in the ditch right now. You know, something's going on in their life or things aren't going well at home and I don't want to totally lose touch. So I'll just, you know, I had a breakfast meeting on Tuesday with a guy who just going through a rough patch and like, I'll meet with him multiple times and, you know, do everything I can to help. And then sometimes there's almost always one or two people who are on the front side of faith in that breakfast slot. Just people I know from mm-hmm. my local walk here, you know, as a member of the community or a church who aren't yet Christians, but I'm just like, I'm just going to spend time with you and hang out. And if I can play some role in your life, I, I will. And so they get in usually Tuesday or Thursday for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so healthy and so important for you to be keeping your heart engaged in what God's doing in people's lives or that are, that are in the ditch or just really struggling. Yeah. We all, we all need to have those people in our life. And if we don't, why not? You know? Um, so that's calendar. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? What else, uh, in your system do you think is helpful to other people who are listening? Uh, well, I'm a big Wonderlist fan. I love Wonderlist. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been really helpful in, in being organized, which I'm not naturally, as we've already talked about. So there's, there's tools, there's last pass there. I mean, there's tools that are, Mm -hmm. that are great in helping you stay organized and helping you um, move forward. So Wonderlist is basically a to-do list system. And usually our weeklies are just you going through your Wonderlist. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about our rhythm and how we communicate. We do uh, a weekly, almost every Tuesday these days, where we'll try to spend as much as an hour and a half together just going through everything. Um, Why do we do a weekly? uh, Let's talk about the flow of communication between text, phone calls, email, in-person, and weekly, because it could get to the point where you're just asking me every 30 minutes, hey, what do I do about this or what do I do about that? Or I'm bugging you every 30 minutes going, hey, Sarah, hey, Sarah. Yeah, that was a really tough rhythm to learn, actually, because mm-hmm. because you have to discern what's time sensitive, what's urgent, what can wait a couple of days. Yeah, um, I remember right when I was starting out, I was in a breakout with um, Diane Grant, Andy Stanley's. Yeah, assistant, yeah. And she was talking about how she would hold on to things for their weekly meeting so that she could present things to him at one time. And it wasn't just a it wasn't just all the time, constant communication, which could be very overwhelming, especially if you're trying to write um, and you're getting interrupted with 
a different train of thought. Um, I had to learn when it was appropriate to interrupt and when it wasn't. Um, and, and so our weekly, our weekly is to cover big decisions, um, larger conversations that you don't have over email necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to hold as much as I can for that time so that I you not, do a good job of that. Thank you. Well, so that I, I'm not filling up your inbox or blowing up your cell phone or something. Yeah, I do not like email. True. <laughs> yeah, true. And you could easily send me 30 emails a day with oh, decisions definitely. I have to make maybe 50 yeah. a day. Hey, what about this? What about that? That'd be completely demotivating yeah. to me. Now, if your boss loves email, I mean, do it that way. But to me, that just totally train wrecks my, my, my thinking for the day and my motivation for the day. So you hang on to a lot of those and then we pile them up once a week. Mm-hmm. And we do communicate via text and email. So what's sort of our filter for that without interrupting each other too much? Mm-hmm. Well, something that's time sensitive, um, we will usually do uh, text or email. Mm-hmm. Or if there's a conversation that you need to jump in on with somebody else, right. an email conversation, um, I'll include you in that email so that you can jump in. If it's an email in your public inbox, I actually won't send it to you. I'll write a draft for you to send if you... Um, if you want to reply, then you can. Yeah. And you handle that really well. You'll often do you sometimes you sometimes you reply as you to my public inbox. Hey, it's, Car- it's Sarah. I help Carrie with his email and that sort of thing. And then sometimes you'll just respond as me or on behalf of me without asking me. Right. But I will never I will never send an email as you without you seeing it first. Gotcha. OK, so that's where we are right now on that, because I think we switched the public private inbox, what, three or four years ago? Yeah. Just because of the volume of correspondence. Yeah. And um, so what I'll go in, you'll let me know, hey, there's eight drafts or whatever. And then I'll go in and and I'll just look at them. And nine times out of 10, I just sent what you wrote because you did a really good job. Sometimes you've read the really long emails and condensed it and the whole deal. And then sometimes I'll jump in and change it or you'll, you'll leave something. This is from leftover from my law days for dictation. You'll just put in big mm-hmm. yellow. Talk about that. <laughs> I don't know how to, when I don't know how to tackle something uh, in your public inbox, I just say for dictation and you we can write it together. Yeah. Um, you can, you can speak it and I type it out. Um, so in our rare, weekly, in our weekly, helpful. yeah, it happens once a week or <laughs> yeah, so. And you're just, and I'll just give a response and you're writing it as I speak. Cause mm-hmm. you can type really fast. <laughs> Thanks to MSN. <laughs> MSN chat when you in were a 2001. kid. In 2001, <laughs> you, you learned how to type really, really fast. That's great. Okay. Anything else on our system that we've developed? Cause I really want this to be practical and helpful. It was really helpful when we started moving to a daily check-in phone call. Yes. Um, on the on the days that we didn't meet, we didn't have our weekly. Um, just to have a 20-minute phone call. Okay, here's what's going on today. Here's what you need to be paying attention to. Um, here's what I'm working on for you. Any, um, any important update or time-sensitive issues that were happening. Um, only meeting once a week to talk about some of that can be counterproductive, I think. Yeah, and and I should, people be, why are you calling each other? Do you live in different countries? It's because on my writing days, I work out of my house. Mm -hmm. I work out of my home office um, because I'm ADD enough that I'll I'll just get distracted or pulled into decision-making or conversations. And here I'm alone, you know, my kids are grown. So I get to focus and and I actually get to produce. Mm -hmm. So, and when I'm in the office, we just do a a quick check-in. Usually Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what's going on today? And you'll tell me. Yeah. So, okay, that's good about our system. Any other tips and tricks you want to share? I think that covers most of the bases. Okay. What are some things I do that make it easy for you? Um, 
you, well, I, I've said this a little bit already, but you care about me as a person. And mm-hmm. I think that that keeps me going when I'm having a hard day. Everybody has a hard day. And, yeah. <laughs> and when, when you know that, when you know that what you're doing is important and there's right. somebody behind you that is supporting you, not just because of what you're doing, but because of who you are, um, it just changes the game. It just, it just keeps me going. Um, so, so by the way that you communicate with me, by the way that you um, care when you ask how I'm doing, it makes my job a lot easier because I feel like it's important. And that may be a self-serving thing to say, but when <laughs> I feel like, you know, when I, when you're invested in me, I feel like I'm, can we just do this whole part over again? <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. Just keep going. I feel like I'm rambling. You can. That really helps me do a better job when I know that you're behind me as a person. Well, you know, it, it what you're doing is really important. I mean, you're you're helping to grow a local church that's having a bigger impact every year and I mean, now at this point it's impacting thousands of people and we have tens of thousands of leaders who are going to listen to this and who read uh, what we've written and like, or what I've written. And so it makes a big difference. And I care a lot about the church and I care a lot about you and your family as a person too. So now let's flip it. So it's not so self-serving. What do I do that drives you crazy? Because (laughs) bosses drive their team nuts. What do I do? Um, Well, you have a tendency to make decisions really quickly that mm-hmm. are sometimes aren't fully thought through. I <laughs> <laughs> mean, half baked ideas, <laughs> half baked ideas. Um, and they can be emotionally driven or, or charged. Right. Cause I get, I get upset and then I'm just like, well, we're just going to yeah. do this. Yeah. And right? you want it to happen right away. Right. So it needs to happen right away. <laughs> I want everything to happen right away. Don't I? Yes. Pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I mean, I, you've learned that about yourself. So yeah. it's, it's not as big of a problem as, <laughs> And you will say to me sometimes, you'll say, do you want to wait till tomorrow on that? Or are you just emotional about that? Or, uh, you know, are you, are you thinking straight? Like yeah. you'll say that. Yeah. And sometimes I'll, I'll jot it down and take note of whatever it is that you want to do. And then I'll follow up with you a few days yeah. later. And sometimes you feel or think differently. Yeah, you'll ignore it. me in the moment. And then, well, <laughs> no, you yeah, do. Maybe you I do. Would say ignore. <laughs> you do a good job. You do a good job because you do that. And then two days later, you'll email me, and you'll be like, "So you know that thing you told me on Monday? Blah 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 blah." And I've forgotten about it. Yeah. And you realized, hey, he's just like, whatever. Okay, what else yeah. do I do that drives you crazy or makes your job <laughs> difficult? Well, that's probably the biggest thing. <laughs> I mean, Emotional decision making. Yeah. 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 Or the or the really quick turnaround that you want on something that. Three days later, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think that's the part. You don't mind a quick turnaround. No, I don't. But you hate a quick turnaround. It's demotivating when the quick turnaround is on something that actually is, you know, a number nine priority on a list of 10 that I've elevated to number two. Yeah. Because just in that moment, that's really big in my mind. And yeah. hey, if you're entrepreneurial or like, you know, a driven person, be honest, you do that. That's mm-hmm. how we're wired. And I think, I think what, I'm not going to stop doing that, but you don't have to keep responding to it. Mm-hmm. And actually what was really helpful for me to learn was communicating what that meant of my time. I would say, okay, if I do that, it means that I push this and this down the priority list. Are you right. okay with that? And sometimes that would change your opinion 
right away. Or you would totally. say, actually, yes, make that number one and let the other things fall to two, three, four. Yeah. And then the other thing you've done that's really helpful, because given my personality profile, I continually underestimate the amount of time it takes and the complexity of a task. I'm just like, Sarah, make this happen. And <laughs> Which I actually do, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You do that in home I, renovations in your house. Yeah, I underestimate how You're long like, things will We'll take. do our whole kitchen in the morning. I like it's to like, think it's because we're, it. we're optimistic people. We are optimistic people. We can do more in less time. <laughs> totally. But like you will sometimes say like, okay, you know, that's a six hour task, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, what? How can that be six hours? And, but I trust you if it's going to mm-hmm. be, and you're not lazy. I mean, you work hard. And so then it's like, well, okay, if it's going to cost that much money or I'll think things cost nothing, mm-hmm. but it's a $2,000 expense. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So learning to communicate what what your request means was was something that was good for me to start doing. Right. Yeah. I had, okay. I had to communicate what it meant. Anything else? Any other patterns or peculiarities that are like you've had to check? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, every working relationship is really different because every person is really different. So mm-hmm. I just feel like our working relationship is like every EA assistant relationship. But, you know, I could be. No, I think you're right. There's a lot of similarities and you've networked with a number of them. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think there's a lot of similarities. And often if you get into a senior leader chair, you know, an entrepreneur's chair, you you come with these quirks and weirdnesses that people have to put up with. So, Well, your greatest strengths are your weaknesses too. So absolutely. That's what you got to Okay, let's right. talk about this. People have listened uh, and I think learned a lot, but probably one of the things you're very best at, and I've saved this till toward the end, is a lot, I, sometimes I joke, like we pay Sarah to tell people no. Because <laughs> that's true, right? Like in speaking engagements, I end up saying no more than I say yes, not because I don't want to do them, but because I I, I just don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. There's too many for the time available. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that with requests to meet. We do that with like, can you pick my brain? Like you spend a lot of your day saying no. The other thing that I always say to people is Sarah's the kind of person who can tell you no, but make you feel like she said yes. <laughs> well, I don't know how true that is. <laughs> no, it's very true. Listen, when I, when I arrive to speak somewhere, people are like, well, we're kind of glad you're here, but like, where's Sarah? She's awesome. People, people have said almost that, but um, how do you say no nicely and, and like not have the world mad at you when a lot of your job is, is to put up fences? Well, that's a tough question because I always feel like when I'm saying no, I'm disappointing or we are disappointing somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially we are disappointing somebody because we can't fulfill, we can't re- fulfill what they hope. Um, sometimes I think of it as a bad news sandwich. So I put, <laughs> I put something positive at the beginning and the end. Yeah. <laughs> the bad news. That's good. Which is a, which is a very tangible way of presenting a decline or, or saying no. Um, but I try to make sure that I, hear what they've said and that I validate what they've said um, and also provide something of value in the response, whether it's pointing them uh, to somebody else that could help, whether it's pointing them towards resources that could be valuable for them. Um, I try not to just say no and leave it if there's something else that we can do to help. You'll, to. you'll often, like if it's an email, you'll often send people something I wrote or a talk I gave and say, you know, a lot nicer than I would say it. Hey, Carrie can't meet with you right now, but um, you might find this helpful. And then you'll send them that. 
Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And I don't want somebody to walk away feeling disrespected or um, or just feeling invalid. Um, yeah. You know, if, if we could say yes to everybody, we would say yes to everybody. Um, I think you start that way, don't you? Yeah. Don't you start with like when you talk about what did you call it? Your disappointment sandwich or? Bad news sandwich. Bad news sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Your bad news sandwich. You usually start with we'd love to. Yeah, or, because or, that's the truth. It is. I would. I would meet with everybody. Yeah. I would mentor everybody. I would. I just realize I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You can't do that and keep what you're keep doing what you're doing. Oh yeah. I mean, you're totally right. I could do it. It would just destroy everything else in my life, probably including my family at some point. Mm-hmm. So I can't. So and and I think I think what a lot of you probably are picking up is just your whole disposition, your whole character is like you actually mean. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You're not saying that. You're not trying to protect me, uh, you know, or or to say no when you really could say yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's There's true. something. Any any other tips on saying no nicely? I just think you you really have to remember that it's a person on the other end, and um, and sometimes it's easy when it's over email to to make a quick reply and and forget that the person on the other end is a person sitting there that's going to receive your email and you will leave them feeling a certain way, how, how whatever you say and whatever you write. So it's just, it's just important to keep that in mind. That's gold. That's great advice. I think that's so true. And I, I think there's a temptation in the early days, you know, when the requests probably out, and I'm, I'm just not speaking for you. I'm speaking for me when the requests outnumber the time available to do them to, to, to feel like, Oh, now I'm important or now I've arrived or, you know, to kind of flaunt that. And, I just, I don't ever want to be there. I don't ever want to do that. I want to um, be in a place where I fully, like, I would really love to meet with people. And Mm -hmm. I think you keep me honest in that too. Mm -hmm. You do a good job. So does my wife. One of the other changes, Sarah, that um, I think we've made probably, what, two years ago, three years ago, is you started managing kind of my whole life right? Like yeah, everything the personal from side of things. the personal side of things. And we really debated that because mm-hmm. it's like, is that, is that just selfish on my part? Is that, you know, a misuse of your time or a misuse of resources? And we decided it wasn't. Um, so you book everything from like haircuts to doctor's appointments to dentist appointments to, mm-hmm. you know, the whole the thing. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and uh, often my wife, Tony is included in those threads and we make decisions together. What is, why did you do that? And has that been better? Well, I think the simple side of it is I can just find a time for you to have a dentist appointment faster than you can find a time for you to have a dentist appointment. <laughs> well, I don't want a dentist appointment. That's the bottom I know, line. I don't. <laughs> um, but I think there's part of that where it would take me, you know, a two minute phone call and it could take you longer because because you don't have the ins and outs of your calendar. In the same or way. I would you schedule it at a time where you, in the back of your mind, have something saved for me that day. Right. You don't know leadership team is meeting and X has to happen. Right. So I book it, then it has to be rebooked. Right. And you are way more efficient at a lot of that stuff than I am. It takes me forever to do stuff. Yeah, so there's part of it that's just efficiency. It's simpler yeah. for me to do it. It saves you time. And if I can save you time and you get to spend 10 more minutes on... Um, you know, polishing up a message for Sunday morning. Yeah. That's what we're going to do because it just makes sense. Um, and then 
And then I think there's also part of it that's really helpful for me to have a picture of what's happening in your personal life. Right. And not in a creepy sort of way, but no. but in a in a way that I can help you help you manage your time. If I know that you've got social events three nights out of the weekend, I'm gonna look at your upcoming week a little bit different than yeah. if Totally. And I'll I'll often write like family stuff. If we're getting together with my kids for dinner or something, I'll put that in my calendar myself and just kind of block it out. Oh, I don't book family dinners. No, 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 no. (laughs) But you can see that then and go, oh, actually, did you know you're supposed to be here at that time? So that works well. One or two more things. If you were advising an assistant or an executive assistant who is just starting out, what are your top tips? I would say... Become a student of yourself and become a student of the person you're supporting Um, because you are both individuals, you're both unique. And in order to have a working relationship that is strong and healthy and moves forward and grows, I think you need to learn about who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And the same thing about your your leader or your boss or whoever you're supporting, Um, because the more you can learn about them, the better you can support them, which is the goal at the end of the day. Cool. Now, how about tips for bosses? Um, well, something that I think you did incredibly well at the right time once once you had we had established trust in our relationship, I think, was lifting the veil of what it looks like to be a senior leader. Mm-hmm. And and that was a game changer for me when I started to realize the weight that you carry is just different when you're a senior leader that I don't actually fully understand. Hmm. Um, but you started to show me a little bit of what that looked like. Um, I was learning what you were dealing with and what you were working through as a senior leader, both personally and within the organization. And that gave me a lot of purpose because, you know, if I if I think I'm you know, I'm just scheduling meetings and that's all I'm doing. That's not all I'm doing, you know? (laughs) Right. And, and and the senior leader carries a different weight than anybody else does in the organization. And when, um, when a boss can be transparent with their assistant about what that looks like, you can give your assistant a really deep sense of purpose. That's more than just photocopying or doing emails because they're helping you lead the organization and they're, they're part of the mission of the organization. Well, I think, I think that's very well said and very true. Like Connexus is a better church because of your contribution um, to the ministry, which, which a lot of the time is invisible. And, you know, our, our, the blog and the podcast get done on a consistent basis in large measure. And, you know, there we have the, the opportunity impact, you know, hundreds of thousands of people a year more. And why? Because, you are doing your job with passion and with excellence and we're making, you know, hopefully a little contribution to the kingdom of God mm-hmm. in, in this time together. And that's good. Okay. Last question, boy or girl? <laughs> well, I think it's a boy, but Justin uh-huh. thinks it's a girl. So I'm going to be right. <laughs> I'm thinking girl. I, thinking girl? I don't know. I'll be wrong. I'm always wrong, but I don't know how to guess it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sarah, we got show notes. Do you think you could share a few of these tips just in summary in the show notes yeah, for absolutely. people? All right. So absolutely. you can just go to com slash episode. I think this one's going to be 94, uh, episode 94. And anyway, in any event, it's going to be uh, kerryneuhoff.com. Sarah, uh, Tony and I are thrilled for you and Justin as you get ready Thank to welcome the, the first little piercing into the world. <laughs> And uh, I am excited already about the day that you might come back to work. Yeah, a it's year be from longer now. than three days. Though. It's gonna be yeah, yeah. My my whole thing to change the law of the country to a three day mat leave isn't 
working, is no, it? That's not okay. Work. Well, in a year we will pick this up, and yeah. we'll 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 actually be hanging out in between too. Because uh, the good thing news is, like our families have become friends yeah. as well, which is which is awesome. Sarah, you've encouraged a lot of assistants, and I think you've helped a lot of bosses today. I just want to thank you so much. I, I really am incredibly thankful for the influence you've been, not just on the ministry that that God has given me, but my life as well. And, and you've made me better. You made me a better leader. So thank you. Well, it's been a privilege. Well, you know, as I said, man, there's so often people are like, okay, we like you, Carrie, but man, that Sarah's fantastic. And that, that's just true. You can see why now. And I'm so blessed. I'm so fortunate to have had Sarah and she intends on coming back. So I'm really excited about that and also excited about working with EA Help and with Sarah Horn over the next year. And again, if you want more information, maybe you just, you know, you can't afford a full-time assistant. You're just looking for a temporary person. EA Help will work with you for like three hours a week, five hours a week, 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week. It's fantastic. Uh, You can just go to eahelp.com. And don't forget the Private Facebook offer that goes with Lasting Impact Team Edition expires tonight at midnight. So uh, really excited for everybody who's enjoying the Team Edition so far. Lots of feedback. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, you think it'll help other leaders, just go to iTunes and leave a rating or review. And make sure you subscribe because next week we are going to come back and I'm going to sit down. I've been so excited about bringing you this conversation. I'm sitting down with Lane Jones and we are going to talk about the early days of North Point Church. I mean, sometimes we hear these runaway success stories like North Point is the largest church in the United States, according to Outreach. Uh, But you forget how hard it was to start up. And I think you're going to get a story that you will not get anywhere else from Lane. And he's going to talk about those early days. It's a lot of fun. Love this conversation. Make sure you don't miss it. Subscribe. We'll be back next Tuesday. Hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. And uh, no more accents. You've been listening to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. Join us next time for more insights on leadership, change, and personal growth to help you lead like never before.